Today, I will give you four steps so you know confidently if your Amazon product has high enough demand. This is Seth Kniep, Kniepin It Real, and welcome to the Jodcast, where in 20 minutes or less, we teach you how to sell on Amazon FBA. Today, I'm going to walk you through four steps to know if your Amazon product has high enough demand. And the first step is find a product with high ROE. Seth, what on earth is ROE? ROE stands for product return on energy. This is something we coined to represent the relationship between the energy you put into creating a new product and how much that product serves you in return. If I went back to 2014 when I first started selling on Amazon and tried to explain to you what ROE is, I would have been dumbfounded. I couldn't have said a word because it's something I had to learn by launching multiple Amazon stores with the Just One Dime team. And today, I value ROE so much more than I used to. This is something new entrepreneurs tend to underestimate. I remember Grant Cardone once saying in his book, his 10 times book, that you should expect it to take you 10 times longer to do what you want to do in your business and take 10 times the resources than what you expected it to take in order to succeed. Had I read that years ago, I would have guffawed at it. I would have rejected it because I wanted to move fast. And that's good. But the truth is, when you launch a product on Amazon, you will spend a lot of energy. You're not going to feel very good spending a lot of energy on a product with a really low ROI. After all that time and that money and that effort and that mental just focus, you have to think also about the return on your energy. For example, if demand is low, the product will not sell well and the energy you put into the entire creation process is not well spent. Because no matter how much you enjoy designing the product and making it amazing and creating this fantastic experience for the Amazon customer, if it doesn't make you money, then it was a lot of time spent without an ROI. However, if a product has high demand and sells very well, then all the energy you put into creating a relationship with your supplier, building your product design, developing your entire listing is energy well spent. You want a high product ROE. In fact, you can increase the likelihood of a high ROE by evaluating demand. Here's what a lot of people don't realize. Some products require a lot of energy up front. But the return, not just on energy, but investment is great later on. Others, they launch a product and it was simple and easy and they didn't spend much time. And by the time they start selling, they're not seeing those profits. In other words, there are times in life where you're going to spend a whole lot of time building something without seeing a single dime until finally you get to reap the reward of your labors. This is why we talk about mindset, long-term thinking so much. This is why I say you should not be a fruit picker, but an orchard planter. The fruit picker goes out to the apple tree. They find the apple. It looks juicy and red and they eat it. Feels good. But guess what? They're hungry in two hours. The orchard planter takes the seeds from the apple and plants an orchard because they're not just thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about six months from now, six years from now, 60 years from now, even their great grandchildren because they built something that lasted. Think about the ROE. How will building and choosing this product today impact your business in 10 years? 
but you don't want to just find a product with high ROE. You want to find a product with strong demand. And that's number two. Find a product with strong demand. You want to ensure that three of the top competitors are generating a minimum revenue of $5,000 per month each at or above your goal sell price. So if your product sells for $30 a piece, that means you'd be selling 167 units a month. Now notice I said minimum. 5,000 in revenue is not a ton of money, but it's a great start. Because if just you get 20% of that, that's $1,000. That's not bad. You might not make you a millionaire, but if you still have your regular nine to five and you're generating an extra 1,000 on the side per month, that's good. But I do say minimum because if you raise it, let's say to 20,000 a month, you will have higher demand. Just keep in mind, you also have higher competition. What matters most? is this, what am I going to make off of each sale? Whether it's a profit of 25% or 50%, what is the money I will make once that listing is optimized and I'm selling on Amazon? For example, if you have a lot of capital and can afford to launch a more expensive product that has a bit lower margins than the ideal 40%, if the actual profit amount is significant, this can be a fantastic business model. Let's say you are selling a product for $250 a piece and your profit margins are 25%. That's a little lower on the profit margin side, but that's still $62.50 profit a sale. At three sales a day, that's $5,625 a month in pure profit. Now compare that to a product that sells for $30 and your margins are not 25%, but 50%. That means you make not $62.50 a sale, but only $15 a sale. At three sales a day, that's $1,350 a month in pure profit. Which would you prefer? A product at the lower profit margin of 25%, but that profits you $5,625 a month, or a product at the higher profit margin of 50%, but that only profits you $1,350 a month. See, that's the difference between $67,500 versus $16,200 a year. In other words, you made more money on the lower profit margin product because you weren't just thinking about that percentage, which does matter. You were thinking about how much you actually make per sale. There is one caveat you must be prepared for. The higher cost, lower profit margin, but higher profit per sale product in this example will require a much larger chunk of capital to launch. Based on our examples, to purchase a month's worth of inventory, and typically you might do more than a month's worth, for the 250 sale price product, you need 16,875 to launch this product because at 250 sale price minus 62.50 profit equals 187.5 per product manufacturing plus shipping costs. 187.5 times 90 equals 16,875. If you didn't follow that math, just bear with me. My point is, if you start with the higher payout per sale, yet lower profit margin product, you are going to need 16,875 just for manufacturing and shipping alone. But to purchase a month's worth of inventory for the other product, you know, the one that sells for $30 per sale, you need only 1,350 to launch this product. 
this is a classic example of how having more capital and investing more upfront can actually make you far more money in the long run. In other words, the Amazon seller selling a $30 product only needed 1,350 of COGS, that's manufacturing and shipping, to fund their product. That's very low. But the Amazon seller selling a $250 product needed 16875 to fund theirs. Now, I might be persuading you in your mind to go with the lower sale price product with higher profit margins because the entry cost is so much lower. But the one thing we haven't discussed as PPC, as a general rule of thumb, lower cost products have more competition. Therefore, more sellers are bidding on those products. And the way PPC marketing costs work on Amazon is the more sellers who are bidding on a product, the higher the keyword bids become. And then you have a lot more of that little $15 per sale profit being taken out from the PPC costs. Let me give you a third step to knowing if your Amazon product has high enough demand. And just to recap, first I said, find a product with high ROE, return on energy. Second, I said, find a product with strong demand. Number three, find a product with low brand loyalty. When researching products, you want to stay clear of markets with established brand loyalty. This is when customers purchase a specific product because of the brand name rather than the features or functionality of the product as described in the photos, title, listing, and bullet points. Launching your own pair of running shoes up against the likes of Nike would be a bit difficult. Now, there are three primary tests of brand loyalty when evaluating a product's market. Number one, brand name spread. Ensure that less than half of the top competitors have the same brand name. Number two, no big brand names. Ensure that there are no major brand names dominating the market, like these are well-known household brand names like Sony or Bose. Number three, sales spread. Ensure that sales in the market are spread amongst the brands. You want to see less disparity between the sales numbers of the top competitors. This tells you customers aren't concerned with the brand name. They're concerned with the value of the product. You see, some products just by their nature are more brand influenced. Like I'm not going to buy it unless it's this certain brand when it comes to like clothing. But oh man, if it's a kitchen product, sure, I'll buy that. It looks good. I'm not loyal to any brand. Now, of course, it comes down to the each individual's decision, but some product categories tend to create more brand loyalty than others. So be careful about this. Understand that when you are doing your research, looking at your top competitors is going to be a goldmine of precious data you can use. Number four, find a product with seasonality impact. When evaluating demand, it does depend on when you are looking at the demand data. Some products are seasonal. To avoid the potential over or underestimations of demand, you need to look at historical data to see how a product sells throughout the year. For example, if you're looking at a product in Christmas time and that product is often gifted, then those numbers might be dishonest or uh, not very realistic for January and February. So you need to see how were the sales over the entire year or even the last several years. And there's tons of tools out there that do this for you. Helium 10 does this. Best sellers rank known as BSR, is a very good indicator of how well a product is selling. A product that sells 500 units per month in the sports and outdoors category might have a BSR of 18,000. Now, if that product starts selling 900 units per month, that BSR might drop to 10,000. 
We can use this data to establish whether or not a product is seasonal. In this way, we can establish the potential future demand throughout the year. In other words, if you see the BSR going way up and way down, playing Disneyland roller coaster on you, that's probably an indication it's a seasonal product. Now, of course, there's going to be fluctuations throughout the year. There should be some. I was just doing a product research with Chris Hubby, one of our content creators, and we noticed that this product always got a ton of sales in May. That's a seasonal indication. The idea is you want to see a stable BSR trend with less fluctuation. This tells you that the sales numbers you're looking at today are also what you can expect throughout other parts of the year. And that's why you look at the BSR. Just to recap, how do I know if my Amazon product has high enough demand? Number one, find a product with high return on energy. Number two, find a product with strong demand. Number three, find a product with low brand loyalty. And number four, Find a product with low seasonality impact, <laughs> unless you're a seasonal seller. And that is a topic for another Jodcast. If you would like to meet with someone on my team so they can look at your situation, figure out where you're at and find out whether or not you were a good fit for us to work with you to take you to the next level. I'm talking seasoned Amazon FBA coaches. Every year they have to submit a report of their sales dashboard along with their P&L profit and loss statement. So we know that they are succeeding on Amazon. And I'm talking about arguably the most in-depth training on planet earth for amazon fba go here jod.com freedom you can meet with someone on the team you have an awesome day